Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Amen. Amen. Um, just to apologies for the delay today again, you know, we actually put a lot of hours in yesterday trying to sort out the new equipment and things like that. Um, but we will, we will keep doing our best to see how to how to how to get things up and running as quickly as possible. But yesterday, people were here for like, you know, several hours yesterday trying to make all things work. Um, so just bear with us. If you're just 10 minutes behind or 15 minutes behind, it's just um, the season we are in. But definitely, as soon as we we move on, it will be better. Um, just the healing service also coming up. Um, I would uh, make some points and announcements, and it's not surprising to me. But okay, let me just put it this way: from today, or let's say tomorrow, from tomorrow till the the end of the month, from tomorrow to the end of the month. I will encourage you to observe the fast every single day. There will be an altar of prayer that will open from tomorrow. That altar of prayer will be 11 to 12 in the night every single day. So 11 p.m. to 12 midnight, there will be altar of prayer to open up. If you can join, please do. We'll have the altar prayers every single day until the end of the month. Um, you know, it's interesting. I tell people that people say to me, like, ah, did God say we should fast? Did God say, you know, when Jesus said to his disciples, he said, go and wait for me at the upper room. He didn't tell them to fast. But because he thinks that you should know <laughs> that when he says wait, it includes fasting. Even though God has given guidance around it, that we should observe fast. And it's just been something that has come up even early this morning. Um, and things like that. So just to let us know, the altar prayer, like I said, will be open. Except the days where you have the vigil and things like that. I know we were planning three days vigil, but we'll just start it off that way. From 11, the altar prayer will be open until until 12 midnight. I do not know how God will lead us, but we will, we will, we will get there. So please um, yeah, put it in, in mind. And it, for, for most of us, this is the time we can do it. This is the time we can do it. You know, I was, I was looking at my dad, you know, it was here the last uh, few weeks ago. And I actually went for a, a different a, a program, and God was saying to me, God said, this is the time for you to labor your own labor. He said, you see now, there are things he cannot do. He said, but the things that he has done there is what he's doing. 
So if it is, you know, it's still fast, but like, mommy also tells us, you have to, but there were days where you had the energy to fast. You know, I used to see him then, you know, when we were growing up, ah, that man, Oryuki, that he can't Oryuki anymore. It was like, it was almost like a, a holiday trip for us and our family. But now, it's a challenge. And you see that part, you see that YouTube will be like that one. He said, but this is your time to do so that you will not panic when you're supposed to sit down. So, yeah, I know, it was, you know, and that to me was a, a scolding for me. That was, you said, you see that person, he said, said YouTube will be like that one. He said, but he has labeled. So what are you now doing now? He just said, so God grant us great in the name of Jesus. Yeah. So I'm encouraging us to please take the opportunity and fast. Because there'll be days where you want to fast, but your it will not be your opportunity. Um it's all seasons of life. It still does fast though. It does fast. But at times when you see that there has to be some element of support for him because as he's getting older. May God keep him in the name of Jesus. So we were talking about the ancient of days. We started off by talking about the ancient of days. Then we talked about um, last week we were talking about the 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 you know the, the, the carrying the an ancient spirit and things like that. And you know, um, after last week's sermon, it was it was it was a very you know even for me as a person, I I had the dealings of God even concerning it. So it is not so when I'm preaching, I'm not only saying to you, I'm also having personal dealings of God, and God is saying no. Yeah. You know, it's not. This is you are not doing this well. You are not doing this well. I think I tell you, I don't know. Maybe <coughs> and I envy such people at times. But see, if God has not scolded you in recent times, please check. If he hasn't said, everybody will be saying perfect. And then he say, what did you do? <laughs> what did you? Do? You know, and we'll talk about that. So, but, but basically, I just want to start off by where we started off three weeks ago, which is around the uh, Daniel, um, which is around that the Bible says that the ancient of days, he said he, he approached the ancient of days and he was led into his presence and was given authority and glory and power to all nations and his dominion was everlasting. So, what we said is that when, even though ancient means something that is outdated, but the way the Bible sees the ancient of days is that his, his, his relevance is still the same even till now. Even till now. And we were talking about that for you to serve an ancient God, your practice has to be in an ancient way, as it were. I don't know if that makes sense. It has to be, you have, you cannot. 
you know, I was sharing with someone yesterday, I was it uh, during the week, God was speaking something to me, and he said, marriage is an, is an old institution, let me put it that way. It's an ancient institution. You cannot use modern technology. Or else you will end up in trouble. When I woke up, the first thing he said, he said, you have to understand that marriage is an ancient system. You cannot use modern technology. And then he said, he said, marriage is an institution of God. You cannot use anything outside of God to make it function. May God cannot understand in the name of Jesus Christ. So when we're talking, say, all this, it is good to be, God help us, but all this modern way of giving, uh, it is good though. I'm not saying, see, even God, uh, the royal system in this country is an ancient institution. And the only thing that you can make it be that way and still be unique is to apply its old, its old, you can use modern technology, but modern technology has limitations because it is designed in a way. To, to function in a nation. Because God can't understand it in the name of Jesus Christ. So, so I just wanted to just point out that is that is that is that you have the uh, the Bible says the ancient of days, even though its dominion does not does will not be uh, will not be taken away. Now I'm going to just quickly point to a scripture that we would normally say or we would normally talk about. People say, those who know they are God, they shall be strong and they will do exploit. But let us look at that scripture well as we, as we try to make um, an analysis of it. The Bible, I, I'm reading the, uh, the KJV, he said, and the forces shall be mustered by him and he shall defile the sanctuary, the, the, the sanctuary fortress, and they shall take away daily sacrifice and the place of and 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 their place, the abomination of this earth. The Bible says, those who do wickedly against the covenant shall be corrupt with flattery. So the Bible says that. One of the ways of corruption, where the devil will corrupt, in order to defile that person, is to flatter them. You will begin to see that, it's the Bible now said, but those who know their God, and you will see it, I'll show it to us in Amplified. You see that the, when the Bible says those who know their God, it's not that, what the Bible says, those who can stand flatly, and not be excited at the flattery of hell is those who would who would who would, who would respond. Let's read it in Amplified. Let's read that. The Bible says, with smooth words and flattery place and praise and praise, he will turn to godly, godlessness. Those who are willing to disregard the Mosaic Covenant, but those who are spiritually mature and know their God would display by their strength. And take action to resist the flat. One of the ways the devil instruments of the devil to corrupt a person is to flatter them. 
And uh, you would begin to see that as I begin to move forward. See, the devil can flatter you with different things. He can flatter you with, with um, challenges of life. He can also flatter you with good things. With the challenges of life, you'll be like, ah. With, see, <laughs> with all that I have done for God, this is how it will be. What the devil is making, it is flattering. They decide to make you feel that you are more important than this. What he's trying to do is trying to introduce flattery into that job. So the Bible says that he says he would flatter them with praise. He will flatter them with praise. See, um, let's just quickly. But the Bible says that those. So, what I'm trying to say is that the pattern, one of the patterns by which the devil captures people is by flattering them. I was a long time ago, before the church started, I was in a place and people were really, um, people were saying something that was, was valid. It was right. But he was saying, ah, with all that I did in that place. <laughs> and that thing may be something like but it is flattery. The devil is introducing flattery to that person. And I'm not like you. Where I sat, I was so uncomfortable. I had to take things and say, See, this is how God, this is how the devil, the Bible says that he would, what the devil does is that he introduces flattery. So, you are of a particular level in life. And somebody now keeps, mistreats you, or does not give you the accolade or the respect that you think you, you, you deserve. And the message is, ah, I will show this person. I will make you know who I am. What the person does not realize is that in that conversation, the devil is introducing flattery. But what he's saying is that, ah, the Amazon will say, very well. This is sort of an instrument thing. It's an instrument that is happening even within marriage. The devil will introduce flattery to you. See, it is not. Let me show you something. Revelations, quickly. Uh, Revelations chapter. The Bible says that, therefore, rejoice in heaven, and you will dwell in the earth. So, what? Uh, said, uh, sorry, and you will dwell in them, but woe to the earth and the sea. Because the devil has gone down to you, filled with fury, because he knows his time is short. Now, fury is not just anger. Fury is a destructive anger. Does this make sense? Now, please, have you seen anybody that devil is introducing that is singing and it feels like the devil is attacking him with fury? Do you get what I'm trying to say? If somebody is committing adultery now, he does not see. The devil is not appearing to him in fury, with, fury, uh, with fury. 
because he cannot feed. What I'm trying to that's why the Bible says that the devil is the master deceiver from the beginning. So what you would be feeling will not be hunger. You would think that he likes you and he loves you. When he came to, um, what's it called? The Garden of Eden. Do you think that the devil was annoyed when the devil was talking to Eve? Did that appear like somebody who's, 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 who's annoyed? No. But what God is saying is that in that sweet words that you think you are hearing, there is hunger marked behind it. That is why the Bible talks about sin. And the Bible says that sin is waging war against your soul. But you never see somebody who is in sin and think that the devil is waging war against their soul. They think it is the people from their house. Whereas sin is an introduction of war into the life of someone. So, because when I, the Bible says he's filled with fury, so you would think that wherever he goes, he should be smashing things down. No, he can't. What, what, what this is trying to say, so what I'm trying to say is that when the Bible is talking about flat, let's go back to that scripture, please, one, uh, the scripture above. The Bible says that the harm forces will arise in Jerusalem and defile, but how would they get through? It is with flat. Why I'm saying this is because as you begin to look at how God forms his people, you will begin to have options to say, if God really, God, my God is not a difficult God. It is likely. My God is not a difficult God. God understands. So God will not, I was saying to you last night, you know, God, God knows I've been, my, my work has been killing to the point that my directors called me and he said, we are concerned about your well-being. Yet, when God was going to visit me in the night, he was saying, you are not doing well. <laughs> it is for you to say, ah, no, can you not see that I'm struggling? As far as everyone is concerned, it's a different body. May God grant us understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, but the way you would be able to make exploit is how to learn how to resist and not be flattered by them. May God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, because you would see, let me just, um, um, let's go to Luke chapter seven, 17, sorry, Luke chapter 17, just down Jesus. Luke chapter 17. Um, yeah. Now, Jesus is talking. Jesus said, suppose one of you, as a servant, plowing or looking after the sheep, he would say, he would say to the servant, when he comes from the field, come along now, sit, and come along, sit, uh, and sit down to, uh, come along, sit down to eat. Wouldn't he rather say, so the servant has gone to walk in the field. He said, will he not say, prepare my food, 
get ready and wait while I heat and drink. After that, you may heat or you may heat and drink also. He now said, will he thank the servant because he, he, would, he, he has done what he told him to do? You also, when you have done everything you are told to do, you should say we are on what this servant. We have only done our duty. That is Jesus talking. But what the enemy will do is that, ah, we thought that you have done. No, it should not be that way. But when God will say, I read a quote that says that the reward for good work is more work. And this does not mean that God does not appreciate. But in the kingdom of God, it's important that you learn to avoid flattery. When somebody says, ah, if not for you, sister, would you? God used you and you were speaking directly into my life, in your heart. It is, it is important that you begin to say, God, is unto you. Or else you will fall for factory. Not that that person is flattering you, but the devil will use it as a factory for you. They begin to say, ah. So when somebody does not say thank you, then she will say, at the shame for you. So thank you. One of the greatest battles Christians are facing now is the battle of flattery. And one of the... So, Jesus is saying that, he said, when you have done what you are supposed to do, what you are asked to do, because he's saying just like you will not tell your servants, you will not clap for your servants, because your servant has done what they are supposed to do. So also, don't expect me to clap for you that you're doing what you're supposed to do. I was listening to Nigeria. See, this is how down, upside down that we are. He said, Omoi, sorry, I'm sorry, I know that this is going on podcast, but he's saying that my children, he said, me, your child, I am I had to take the security vote money. He said, I sacrificed my security vote money. And I used it to develop the community. And people now said, ah, that's good. And that's it. Ah. Can you not stand up and say thank you to him for using government money to do government job? But what I'm, why I'm highlighting that thing is that it started off by saying, your child, Omoni, basically, in his eyes, is reducing himself. At the same time, because they did not say thank you, he said, stand up. <laughs> and clap for me. He said, even in America, they will stand up and cut him in the water. What are they And he's saying that, I have sacrificed, I have paid the sacrifice of using government money to do government job. 
entitlement that people get to a point. And what God discourages in his household is a sense of entitlement. He would give you what you desire, but you are not entitled to it. Because that will cause, it will become an issue in your process of formation. So the Bible says, the Bible says that, the Bible says that, the Bible says, so when you have done everything you are supposed to do, you should say, we are on what this servant, we have only done our duty. Let's, let's uh, go back please to, to when you, God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. So, after that revelation, please. Let's go. Now, one of the things we saw somebody in the Bible that we're reading from, and that's what we're reading as our guide, John the Baptist, the man who carried an ancient spirit. The Bible says that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit, with the spirit of Elijah, and, the, and you know, the power and spirit of Elijah, and he, he would do his job. Now, but the Bible says, let's go on to verse 18, 18 of verse 18. The Bible says, the Bible says, then the child grew and became strong in the spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until his period, his, um, his public appearance to Israel. What this happening is that even though God has a mission about the life of a person, there is still going to be a period of forming that person. That person, no matter how God has See, that is why you can see so many children that God will say, this one will become president. He will never be. Because what happened is that from the point of the vision to the point of his public appearance, something happened within the process of formation. Let's see Jesus. Let's come, please. Let's see Jesus. Luke chapter 17. The Bible says that, um, no, let's, let's just go, go on. The Bible says that uh, after Jesus appeared at the temple, the Bible says he went down to Nazareth with them and he was obedient. He was obedient. To them. That means that part of the formation of Jesus was he was under the tutelage of his parents. Even though he was anointed, the period of forming was him sitting down and obeying what his parents said. And the Bible says that, but his mother treasured all this in her heart. The Bible says, and Jesus grew, you see the same word again, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. What the Bible is saying that there was a development period. Even though Jesus was a child of God, there was a period where he needed to form. Because until you are formed to a point, there are certain things that God cannot release to your life. So the Bible says, and in favor with God and with man. What the Bible is saying is that he was not only approved of God, he was also approved of man. So his parents can say, oh, my dad, my His people who have met him in the journey of his life 
can attest to it. Can you imagine that when Jesus was growing up, he was he was doing he was doing a carpenter job. That's what he was doing. He was, he was a carpenter because his father was a carpenter. That's why they called him the child of a carpenter. So if he was already doing manipulating things here and there, can you imagine if when Jesus now stood and said, Tell me, why do you want to stone me? Have I done anything wrong? No, Jesus said it. So someone has said, Sir. Reduce your <laughs> off the mic. Yeah, off the mic. <laughs> off the mic. The process of your forming. At times, we are so excited about the destination that you forget the process. When people are talking to me and they are ever announcing the destination, ah, God has said. I will do this, God. For my little experience, 80% of them will do that. Because their focus is so much on the destination that they forget the process. I am not telling you something out of that is not, that God has not dealt with me. God told me once, He said, the way you are going, He said, you are so excited at the harvest that you are not bothering to. He said, when the harvest will come, you don't open your mouth. Nothing will come. So, rather than being excited about harvest, you better go to the farm and start to see and walk. So, I don't said, see, all this excitement of um, you are going, God has said, God has said, you are talking to me now, God, oh no, no, you have told me that this is. He said, this thing is not, is not, there is no conversation. If you are not going to go to the farm and begin to till, if all you are shouting, prophesying, have a season to life, it will never come. So you would see that the Bible was saying, was trying to show that Jesus did not just appear. There was a process of his development. There was a process as God was forming him. Let's go, please. As a process as God was forming him. So the Bible says that as soon as Jesus was baptized, the Bible says when he went up, he went out of, or he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven opened, and he saw he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove. And alighting on him, and the voice from heaven saying, This is my son, whom I love. I am well pleased with him. Please, what did Jesus do that God was well pleased with? He hasn't done miracle here. The Bible says he has not done one miracle. Could it be that this is the assessment of God of his process of forming? How he dealt with his parents. How he dealt with people. When he was in the tabernacle and he was 12, the Bible says that Jesus sat down, he was listening and asking questions. Go and read what the Bible says. The Bible never said Jesus was teaching them. Can you imagine the word himself sitting down? And people are teaching him. 
somebody's future and dream. When you tell somebody's no, it's all the mistakes that person has made and then you See, one of the things that I am passionate about, because I have God help us. So the Bible says that, so what I'm trying to say is the pleasing of God was how well he had gone through the period of formation. How well that, see, that was why when Jesus would lie down on the cross and they would speak on him, because they have, in inverted commas, they have done worse. What, what is worse than, like I said, you are the, you are the word himself. And the Pharisees that are even teaching rubbish. Because it's like you discover that their teachings is, is error. And Jesus is sitting there. And, and you just say, eh, excuse me. What did you just say? You are quoting that scripture, that scripture is wrong. Let me explain to you. Sit down. Let, 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 me, let me divide the word for you so that you understand. Most people are not prepared to be formed. They are so excited about the destination that we never get. Let's come on, please. So the Bible says, now we see here that what I when I thought the Bible says that God created man in his whole image and and the Bible says he blessed. Now, if you go to chapter 2, you discover that the Bible says God now formed them. It is not until he formed them that he was able to breathe into them. The question is, how are you getting on with your forming process? How are you getting on with your forming process? That is why you always see this always dotted around scriptures. In Romans chapter 12, the Bible says that, the Bible, the Bible says that, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. What he's saying is that, let your formation, let the word begin to transform your mind. Let it begin to reframe your thinking. If you are not, be, if you see, there is nobody, and that's what, there is nobody that God wants to use. That he will not first of all reform, no matter who you are, no matter how well brought up you are, he still needs to reform you. He will still need to reform you. Because one of the things that if a man is not properly reformed, by the time anointing is dropped on them, that anointing will destroy them. In fact, it will be the valid reason for doing the wrong So somebody is doing items in the This is how you need to check your mind. See, okay, let me give you, I've given an example before, that I did something that was wrong. And I went to a place to, uh, a program. Not something that it was just normal, maybe anger or something like that. I don't know those, those things. And I went to the, the program and I ministered. And by the mercy of God, the people were going in trance. God was walking mighty. 
So when I got home, I said, God, thank you. Ah, and God said, if you think that what happened to me is an approval of your character, you're going to hell. Some people will say, ah, have you ever had someone say, if God had, had a problem with it, he, he, he should have told you. Have you had something like that though? If God, me and God, we are close. If he has a problem with this issue, God would have spoken to me myself. And what that person will not know is that God, there are certain things that God will not necessarily, he might not talk to you because it is written. So if you are in adoption, say, ah, God did not tell me that this thing is wrong. See, there are ways that God shows me secret things. Because he didn't show you that one, you think he's okay. You know, you get to remember that he's God. <laughs> That's why the Bible says, that, let's come on, the Bible says, um, first it said, it said about food sacrifice, right? it, said, it, said, it said, we know that we all, we all possess knowledge, but knowledge pops up but love built up. He now said, those who think they know something, something do not yet know as they ought to know. But whoever, whoever loves God is known by God. And what the Bible says, those who know, who are known by God should, de should depart from iniquity. See, love here, that the Bible says love, the Bible says that the love of God restricts us, forbids us from falling into sin. So the love here is, is, the, is not love of I love you and things like that. So the Bible says that somebody can have knowledge to a point that that knowledge begins to in the Yoruba balance, own body May you never be approached in the name of Jesus. In the process of God finding his servant, he is, there is a careful, that's why the, when God will say, like in Psalm 89 verse 20, the Bible says, I have found David my servant, with my sacred oil have I not it. He said, he said, and my hand will sustain him. Now, what I'm looking for, the point I'm looking for, point is there, is found. If you have if you found so that means you are dead, there are certain things you are looking for. You know, we've talked about this before. That, that when God said to Saul, that I have found somebody who will bless you. We did the math at the time. David was not born. Amen. Amen. Am I speaking? I thought I thought we've gone through that. Saul became king at the age of 30. David became king at the age of 30. So, by the time David became king, he was a tall of 26. That's Mark's too. Now, you will discover that there are several times that Samuel came to Saul and said, God, I've torn your, torn your kingdom. Even it was in the first few years of Saul, before Saul had fully taken over Israel, that he went to war and he did certain things before Samuel came, and Samuel said, God has taken your kingdom. 
So that means you are giving this one around 35 times daily most of God. So why did God say, I found him? What God is saying, I have found there is a design of somebody I am looking for. There is a criteria or something that I am looking for. That is why he said, I have found David myself. That means there is a process of searching by God. And what God is searching for is how well a man is formed. How well a man is formed. Now, your process, what I'm, what I'm trying to first of all make you take your eyes off is the excitement of the destination, but more focus on the now. The Bible says that, okay, Saul, okay, first Samuel chapter 23, the Bible talks about Saul. And the Bible says, that, sorry, but the Bible says, do not be afraid. My father Saul will not lay hands on you. You will be king over Israel. I will be second to you. Even my father knows this. So, um, Saul's child is saying to David, ah, we all know that you become king of Israel. Even Saul knew that David is going to become king. Now, please, having this in mind, having this in mind, let's now go to the next, um, 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 next 24. This was when David had the opportunity of killing Saul. And David spared him. Please look at verse 20. Saul said, now I, now I realize that you, will show, you are surely going to be the king and the kingdom of Israel will flourish under your rule. Please, what is the difference in the two? The man who had realized, David Lomajoba, but now he's not saying, now I know it is now certain. The difference is that David passed a test. And a king knows that if God is going to anoint anybody as king, there are certain tests you need to pass. And the test here was a test of character and power. How you are going to handle power. So David had the opportunity to slaughter Saul, and David allowed it to go. What Saul was saying is that you have not allowed the power you have get to you. I have said it before that when it comes to the kingdom of God, and as you as you go ahead with God, it is the question is not what can you do. The question is what am I allowed by God to do? Jesus can turn stone to bread, but it is not allowed by God. As you grow in this kingdom, you will begin to discover it's not everything you have the right to do that you are that is permitted for you. That's why Paul said, I can hit meat, but if you will stop my brother to fall, you make my brother fall, I'd rather not eat it. Yeah. 
the part of your formation, what God is looking for, is that the, the right you have, are you ready to surrender that right and look stupid? And not look stupid in such a way because when you see when Saul was calling, sorry, David was calling Saul in this scripture earlier, he was qualifying to Saul as my father. Even though Saul was teasing his life. The issue here is that Saul knew that you will become king. They have anointed you. Saul knows that until you pass certain formation issues or process of formation, it is just vision. That's why he said, now I know that you are truly going to be the king of Israel and the, king, and the kingdom of Israel will flourish in your hand because you will not rule it as sin. You will not be after your own interest. So you are ready to sacrifice your own interests for the sake of the kingdom. The question is, in your process of your formation, God will be checking whose interest will be utmost in your mind. Your own or his kingdom. The devil, see, you are not, we are not the only one. That is what he did to Jesus. He said, He said, just turn this stone to bread. He said, He said, if you are the son of God, what's he saying? He said, uh, to my people, you know your rights. So why did you just display your right? What is he doing? Flattery. That's what it is. He said, if you are the son of God, turn this stone to bread. Jesus would have said, ah, oh yeah, stone, turn to bread. It would happen. But what has happened is that he has not passed the test of your whole interest versus the interest of God. And in our process, as, see, before David became king over Israel, he was 30. David was anointed in a time when he could not go to war. That was why he was not enlisted in war. And to go to war in Israel, you have to be 16. I think 16 or so. So that means that from the age of below 16 to the age of 30, God was constantly forming him. Formation, as far as God is concerned, timing is not the issue. It does, God is ready to take all the time with you. So, the Bible says that, it says, it says, it says now I know, I can realize, I can vouch that this is how kings are formed. This is how you will become a king. And the Bible says, in, go to back to let's go on, please. The Bible says second Samuel. Now, for first Samuel, God said that you become king. Second Samuel, the Bible says, when all the elders of Israel had come to David at Hebron, they made a covenant with him at Hebron and before the Lord, and they anointed him king over Israel. So that means that since the day Saul had anointed him king over Israel, the fulfillment would happen after God as as properly formed in to be ready.
after properly God properly formed it to be ready. May God grant us grace in the name of Jesus. Because, see, all I'm begging us for is that God is interested in forming you. At times, the things you are asking God for, let's go to Matthew, Matthew chapter, you know, uh, Jesus said, the, the mother of the sons of, um, mother of the sons of Zebedee, they came to Jesus and said to her, kneeling down, how many of us need to do that? Kneeling down, asking him for me, Olua, Olua, you please God, do this for me. Oh, this lady, and he said, he said, he said, what it is, uh, what, what is it you want? He asks. She has a grant one of these one of these two sons of mine that they may sit at your right hand and the other on the left hand in your kingdom. Basically, you have been talking about this kingdom. So please just grant them the seats. What did Jesus answer? Yes, one. He said, You do not know what you are asking for. The one will say, ah, but I understand what I'm saying. He'll say, no, you don't understand. Because what you are asking for is a destination. You have left out the process. So he's saying that you do not know what you are asking for. Then Jesus said to them, Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? What does this mean? You will not go through a different process from that which Jesus went through. So what you cannot say is that I mean people say, I'm why in the process you know you it is those Jesus children. See, please put Jesus on side now. We want to talk reality. Have See, all these all these Jesus, 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 Jesus are used to uh, baboos me. No, let's talk reality now. Reality now. Jesus is saying, you know, you that's why he said, Can you drink? Not that you have your own special cup, the cup I am going to drink. That destination that you are asking for. The question is, can you drink of the same cup I drank from? Now, the cup of even when you know you would sit down and behave as if you were done. That same cup, so Jesus, that's why Jesus said you don't understand what you're asking for. You don't have a clue. He said, he said, he said, and he said, we can. And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup. But to sit on the right hand or the left of God is not for me to count. But what he says that it depends on how well you drink this cup. If you're going to drink some and say, ah, no, this one is killed. It's not. <laughs> so he's saying that the destination is not for anybody to grant. It is for God. And what God sees is that how well have you drunk? So, when the Bible says that the Bible talks about Jesus, the Bible says that God gave Jesus a name above every other name. Uh, the mention of the name of Jesus. 
Amen. Now, before that scripture, what did Jesus? What did the Bible talk about Jesus? The Bible says he was obedient. He humbled himself with obedience to the point of death. Therefore, and because of that, because of the cup that see all this in the name of Jesus, it happened. It is because there was something he did. Jesus did not just use the name because he's the Son of God. That's why he said, "You can you drink?" And that will always be the question: Is that are you prepared to drink of that cup? Are you prepared to be formed? Somebody said something to me not too long ago, which really stuck with me. Said, um, I forgot the, the exact phrase, but he said that people are talking about intention, but they are never talking about their action. So, ah, what do you want? A beautiful marriage. What are you doing? What do you want? Ah, I want God to, to, to build my ministry. What are you doing? Your intent must be aligned with your actions. So Jesus was saying, if truly you want to sit at that cup, it's stable, you must be ready to drink the cup. You must be ready to drink the cup. And that process at times is challenging. You see Galatians 4, 19, the Bible says, there my dear, my dear children, he said, from in whom I am in bad pains again until Christ is formed in you. It denotes that Jesus is not in you. He said, he has not fully formed. And he said, that process is painful. If you have seen a woman in labor before, she's not smiling. In fact, she'll be in tears. Because the process is not easy. So I'm not saying that, Jesus is not saying that, you know, uh, this cup is just going to be sweet. No, it's going to be a difficult process. But there is no other cup in the kingdom that is different from this. So he said that, he said, he said, he said, I whom are going to bad pains again. Who again? Basically, what he said is that there is a first energy of, of trying to bring you to Christ. That is one. Second process now is now making sure that Christ begins to develop inside of you. That the response you'll be giving will not be response of you, you'll be response of Christ. It will be response of Christ. The Bible says that it's going to be a painful period. But just like when a child is born, everybody is excited. But the process of birth is difficult. Now, just going to say just two things as we draw these two close. The worst thing you can do to somebody that God has, by his mercy, placed along with you to help you in the process of forming of Christ in you is to frustrate that person. 
It is not a new thing. It is something that even the apostle had to tell the people. Let's go to Rome. Let's go to Rome. Um, uh, the Bible says, obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them, recognizing their authority over you. They are keeping watch over your souls, continually guiding your spiritual well-being as though they are going to give account of their stewardship of you. He said, let them do this with joy. Do not grieve them. Don't make their life complicated. He said, because this will be for your own good. So they are. Why do they? No, 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 no. You, you cannot be you cannot be talking to me like that. You are making the job difficult. It is difficult enough. Can I tell you that there is no perfect person that the process of forming Christ in them will not be difficult. But it is more difficult when the person you are working with. He's not able to comprehend. That's why he said. <laughs> somebody said, I told you, I said somebody, somebody said that you know, the Bible says, the one that will give account. Please note that account is not profitable. Accountants will tell you. If you if your balance sheet is bad, your business is bad, I do account for you to do that. If I do that, if, if, if you are making loss as an accountant, I have still done my job right, right. It is you that make loss. That's true. That's true. So there is nothing that is, people think that when the Bible says he will account, Jesus accounted for Judas. He said, this one had to happen this way so that it can be fulfilled. Accounting by stewardship is you account for good and bad. As long as you can explain why this one went this way, you are provided account. So accounting does not necessarily mean that everything has to be profitable. No. Accounting means this is what happened to this, this is what happened to this, this is what I did, this is how much I helped, and things like that. Because I have seen God tell me at the time, he said, this person, he said, I want you to please keep chasing. I said, a time will come when I tell you to keep quiet and allow them what was God saying is that we are, we are ready to push this one to the other account. As long as we are doing proper accounting. Accounting is not that you bring everybody. Accounting is that Jesus himself, when he was doing accounting, he had to account for the one that was lost. I am saying that so that you can also cherish your own soul and not just say that, ah, it doesn't matter. If they, you know, don't make sure that this work is is is, is work is helpful for everybody that God has placed around you. Jesus was talking. You know, um, Jesus was Jesus was saying that he said, "Take my yoke, for I am gentle, and you'll find rest for your soul." What's going to help you with this scripture? Just two scriptures up. What's going to help you with that? Two scriptures up. I think it's down. Amen. Amen. Now, Jesus said, Jesus said, 
For, and Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world. That those who do not see, that those who do not see, so, uh, that those who do not see, and those, and that those who see may be, uh, may be blind. So that he basically was saying that he has come to the world for those who do not see. Okay, sorry, those who do not see may see. Sorry, brother. Those who do not see may see, and those who see may be blind. Then the Pharisees said, some of the Pharisees, some of the Pharisees who were with him had this word and said, are we blind also? And Jesus said to them, if you are blind, you have no sin. But you say you see, therefore you remain. What Jesus is saying is that as long as you have an explanation for every action that you take that is wrong, you will remain in that position. Let me give you more than it is right. That's why I can't, God, no matter how how good you are, when you come to God, for God to use you when you need to be involved. I think I've probably been saying that. The man, what do you expect? He has been in this marriage, and I'm not saying that he's right. He has been in this marriage, and the wife has denied him sex. So he's now sleeping around. Is that not a, like people say, yes, no, he's right. After six months, I think it's like that. Okay, let's go shake. I think it's like that. That is the standard of the world. But, and the man will now say, why is it, why, why does it apply to me? The man will say, what, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? Put yourself in my position. But what the Bible actually says is that, the person that pushed you into that, and you that did the same, is as if somebody, somebody killed somebody, <laughs> shot somebody, and out of anger, you to now pick up a pistol, and now shot somebody. Both of you, so Jesus is saying, the problem is that, it's not what you have done, See, at times, the issue with God is not what you are doing. It is the justification. You are holding on to what you have done. Somebody will say, I am human being. Or you legitimately, in your name, holding my, I can say, magic, whatever it is, that you cannot walk, that your head will not shake. I think it's like that. I've seen people who have held that as a justification. And... I will tell people, I told to some, I told some other to I said, the anger of God is against you only because you are justifying sin. It is not what you have done in the room. It is because if most you realize that you are wrong, you are this when you are saying this is the reason why. Why is it that this anger is it is because that they would always they will not stop offending me. As far as heaven is concerned, SARS and ours, that justification is why you're saying. 
one of the things, and where did I start from? Start from flattery. The fact that a man will say, ah, you know, people say, yes. What, what, what do you want him to do? You want to kill him? Why, why does he want him to get um, um, whatever from? And things like that. You know, so you to behave yourself. The woman should. That is scripture. But that, that wrong does not justify that action. That is the way scripture sees it. That's why I use the issue of you, somebody killed somebody, and out of that anger, you not take up gun and you not shoot somebody. Both of you, before court, you are guilty. They will say, ah, it was a, a provoked action. That is, that is the allegation to that person, to you, because you allowed that provoked action to lead you to sin. That is what the issue is. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.